Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, your host of the Stand Up and Speak Up show, a show about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden. And that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people just like you and me who've been through extraordinary times and then found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from them. Well, today, guys, we have an incredible show because we are blasting off with a rocket scientist turned energy healer, turned friend, turned incredible woman. I'd like to introduce to you my friend Don Meyer from where? Coco area. Cape, Cape Canaveral. <laughs> Canaveral, the blast off capital of America. Don, welcome to the Stand Up and Speak Up show. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. It's great to be here. Well, I'm really glad you are, and uh, I welcome our guests that are on. We have some of our WPN sisters. My mom and dad are here, which is nice. Um, but, Don, we're here today because I want to tell people about you. I've met you a couple years ago, and I see you from afar, and I think you're kind of like me where you're a little bit um, private about being out there, but once you get on stage, you just are energized and your message comes through. Now, I'm going to read your bio that you gave to me. It says, as a NASA rocket scientist, Dawn Meyer used to put people into space. Now she helps people to blast off into their highest future of having more joy, prosperity, and fun. Dawn is an energy healer, a speaker, a life possibility consultant, and just a general wonderful woman. Um, so we're in for a conversation today that's going to lead in many, many places uh, because I want people to know right off the bat that Don wrote a book called Launchpad 2020, The Art and, quote-unquote, Rocket Science of Breakthroughs and Possibilities. And we were at a conference, I don't know, probably six months ago, and I got Don's book. And like many times, you buy a book, get a book, and you put it on the shelf, and you think it's nice because your friend wrote it. And she probably, yeah, she uh, um, signed it for me. But I picked it up the other day because I knew we were going to have this conversation, and I figured, you know, it's about time for me to figure out what Dawn's all about. And I was blown away because there were a couple chapters in there that we're going to talk about today that were me in neon lights. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if I had just read this a little bit earlier. But you know what? Sometimes you get the book at the right time to really have an impact on your life. So Dawn... Welcome. Thank you for writing your book. And let's just jump in and tell people who you are and why you're here today. So tell me, in your words, who are you and where did you come from? Well, I am, as you said, an energy healer and life possibilities expert. And I worked on the NASA Space Shuttle for 28 years. And then I started doing the energy healing. Now, people say that's a, a leap, and it is. 
However, to me, it made complete sense because when I was a little girl, I wanted to be the first woman on the moon and I wanted to be able to heal people with my hands because I was big into science fiction and I loved seeing both of those things in science fiction movies. So the, um, the rocket science was actually a more acceptable kind of thing than the energy healing because, you know, in the Midwest, that's not necessarily a big thing that people do. <laughs> and so... I started off taking classes so that I could work on the space shuttle, and I did. And then when that program ended, I decided to go ahead and leave, and I started saying, what do I want to be when I grow up? And it said, well, you always wanted to heal people with your hands. Let's do that. And so that's where I went. Well, that's kind of interesting because when you hear – I years ago before I got into Women's Prosperity Network too, I would hear – um, energy healer or Reiki or the, and and I would you know, I would go to oh that's woo woo that doesn't mean anything that doesn't work but I want to go back to when you made that decision um, I loved it when I was reading that you had family in Florida and you came to visit but you were living somewhere else yes so uh, I was living Florida. in the Midwest in Indiana okay. and I um, I decided we decided to come visit my my husband at the time's uh, family down here. They were camping down here for the winter. And we got down here, and I was looking through the newspaper on Sunday, and there was this big ad for the space shuttle. They were looking for software engineers, which is what I had majored in. And I thought, oh, I, you know, that would be a really nice thing, but I know that I don't know how to do all this stuff listed on the page, so I'm not going to bother to, to send in a resume. And they all looked at me like I was nuts and said, what are you talking about? This has been your dream to work on the space program, and you're not going to go for it? And, and I realized exactly what was keeping me from going for it. This is, is what, I mean, it was like a sign from God. It was in the paper the weekend I was here. <laughs> so I decided to, you know, what was it that was stopping me? And it was that I was afraid I would fail, that I wouldn't get hired. And then I would feel horrible because I wasn't good enough to get the job that I really wanted. And that's when I decided to let go of that and step into what it was I wanted to have and just go for it. Write that resume, send it in, and if I didn't get it, I didn't get it. But at least I had gone for it and and reached out for what I really wanted. And it worked out for me. I got the job, and they paid to move me down here and everything. And, you know, 28 years worth of working on the space shuttle came from that. But isn't it interesting how that not enough comes up? I mean, you, you, you were such an accomplished woman academically and, and all the things that you wanted. What, why do you think that we go to that default of we're not enough? That we're not <sighs> smart enough? Well, I, some of mine came from just when I was in school, they would always tell me to tone it down because they said, you know, you're, you're showing up the other kids you need to step back and let them do stuff instead of you stepping into doing it. Yeah. And that was kind of the role I had taken. Okay, I've got to step back and let other people move forward instead of realizing, no, you go for what you want. 
and you can bring others along, but you don't have to tone yourself down and make yourself less just to make other people feel better. It makes are, them comfortable. Yeah, to make them feel comfortable. And there are other ways to make them feel comfortable that doesn't mean that you have to be less. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. I remember when my oldest, who is a very bright young man, uh, was in school, in high school, and <laughs> you would love this. He was in a calculus class, and I got a call from his teacher, and she said, Mr. Montgomery, I don't know what to do with your son. He was sleeping in class today, and I called on him, and he got the right answer. <laughs> and he gave me the right answer. She goes, how does he do that when he's asleep? And I, and I went to him. I said, you know, buddy, you know, why are you dumbing down? You know, he was the youngest in the class and one of the brightest. And I think just to fit in, he felt like he had to dumb down. And I'm thinking, you don't have to do that. You have so much potential. Don't do that just because of what other people think about you. Exactly. And yet we're so encouraged to do that, is to play to the lowest denominator, you know. You think that's more so with girls, too? Yeah, a lot of it was with girls, especially when I was growing up, because you weren't allowed to take certain classes. I mean, I was the only girl in calculus Mm. when I was in high school. I was one of the first two girls to take things like shop and drafting and that sort of thing. And it, it was, you were encouraged to be less so that you could fit in. And that was what they told me. If I didn't, if I didn't try to fit in better, I was never going to have any friends. Mm. They told me that. My teachers told me that. Wow, that's just that's wrong on so many levels. Yeah, I know. And so I, I fought against that, but also I carried it. You know, because you get to a certain point where, yes, you're fighting against it. You're taking the classes that the girls don't take. You're doing things that the girls don't take. But there's always that... And are you ever going to have any friends if you keep doing this? So how did the boys treat you when you were in those classes? Because obviously you may be one of the only girls or the only girl in many of them. Yeah. And most of them treated me okay. Some of them didn't. You know, some of them would pick on me and make fun of me. And, but others of them just said, well, you want to be a guy? Let's do it. And I said, okay. <laughs> Let's do this. So what kind of commitment did you have to make to yourself to keep going? Because I would imagine it would have been really easy just to say, uh, I, don't want, I don't want this. What was your dream at that point? Um, well, my commitment was that if I ever wanted to work on the space shuttle, I couldn't be just somebody who stood back on the sidelines. You know, I was going to have to step up and step out and keep pushing forward. And that's what I did. I, you know, I started to, you know, I just ignored that, you know, tone yourself down, ignored that play on the sidelines, and started pushing forward. When and, you were at NASA, were there many women? Uh, actually, after, as we went along there, where when I first came in, it wasn't so much. It was mostly male-dominated. But then as we went along, more women were moving up into the management positions, which was nice. Now, still not as many as I thought there should be, but there were a lot more than when I started. Well, and it's interesting. What's coming to mind right now, and I'm having a senior moment about the movie, was it Numbers? Yes, Hidden Numbers. Hidden Numbers. 
That was the first. You know, hidden figures, hidden figures. That's the first time I'd actually ever realized that there were so many women involved in the whole space program, but those girls were really in the background, even though they should have been right in the forefront of what was happening. Exactly. They were again, and that had a lot to do, of course, with the racial situation at the time, and unfortunately that's rearing its head again, um, because they were of color instead of being white. They probably, and even, you know, the every all the women were made less than at the time. There were lots of them, but especially the ones who were of color. Mm-hmm. And to know that they played such a huge role in getting us to the moon. I mean, that was just a phenomenal movie, a phenomenal part of history. And I was so glad that they were finally honored and, you know, given some recognition for it. Had you met any of those women? No, I have not. Well, they were—they seem to be darling. I mean, they're older now, but how darling. So to put you on the forefront, I mean, congratulations on being there for the latest launch. How excited <laughs> is that for you? Yeah, that was so much fun uh, doing the co-anchor for a podcast for that SpaceX first uh, launch with that uh, with carrying people, astronauts. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, because of the COVID, we didn't get to be on base. But we got to be out there at the port, standing at top of the parking garage in the rain. <laughs> I thought about the first day, right before they scrubbed the first day. I was like, ah, oh, she's out there waiting. How, you know, the energy must have been incredible. Talk about energy, a presence. Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal. And I had been looking, you know, on the Facebook page because they had the, you know, Launch America Facebook page that NASA had and just you know, thousands of people on there getting excited. And I had put out a post, you know, saying that, well, you know, I had been working on the space shuttle since I was in my early 20s, right after I got out of college. And I got hundreds and hundreds of people making comments on that. And I was just, you know, blown away by all these people who some of them were teenagers and how how said, they said that was so inspiring that I had been doing this most of my life. And I thought, wow, you know, at least to get some excitement going again. It was pretty cool. Well, it was really neat to see that how updated the the aircraft is now. I mean, I think I posted something originally on Facebook about, you know, what is the first launch that you remember? And what did it look like? And, of course, this was back in the 60s for me. I was, you know, young. But my uncle worked on, a, on sending one of the first monkeys up into the, into the space. And, um, and then it went from there. But looking at the, <clears throat> the uh, space suits they're wearing now and the capsule itself, it is so Star Wars-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the interior of it with just all of the display panels that you pull down from the ceiling and all of that was, was quite impressive, yeah. Well, it, it was unbelievable, and, and I, I was there with you. It was so exciting, and I, I find, I'm glad it finally was able to go off. But we're going to move from that because when that 54321, when you see that, the clock counting down, 
the energy just grows there, the anticipation of everything going on. And one of my favorite books is actually 54321 Blast. It's the Mel Robbins book, 54321. And it really, um, for me, when I first read that book, it was get off your rear end, make a decision to get out of bed in the morning, don't turn the snooze button on, 54321, do something. Okay? Change mm-hmm. something in your life. And you changed when you retired from uh, NASA. You changed your life and went from science to what some people would call woo-woo. Um, but it's not. So what do you, how did you take that energy that you saw in the universe and turn it into what you're doing today? And how do you do it? Because there are many energy healers that I don't quite understand. What, what is it all about? And what are you trying to get at? You know, how would you fix me or someone <laughs> listening uh, with what you do? Well, what, first of all, what I like to tell people is you're not broken. You just need some fine-tuning, you know, because <laughs> when people think they're broken, then, then they think that they can't necessarily change mm-hmm. because they're too far gone. A lot of people tell me, oh, it's too late. But, you know, when I looked at being an energy healer, as I said, it made sense to me to do that because rocket science is seeing possibilities that other people don't see. And that's what I do is I see things that other people don't see in themselves and in the world for them. And it's helping them to remember that they can do that or discover that they can, that they have so much more available to them than they think they have and that there's a way to get there. They have to let go of those limitations that they've been building up, like the ones that I had from my teachers. Be able to let go of that and start moving forward into what they'd really like their life to be. So what do you tell people? What are, what are your steps to releasing those things of yesterday? Because so many of us, me included, have things that have happened in our past that we get stuck in those things and and beat ourselves up and you know we're so unforgiving of ourselves so what are your steps to you know go from a to even b well i start with those things are the past and you can move forward into something different you can allow yourself to let go of that be grateful for the lessons You know, they taught you, like, who had your back and who didn't have your back, how strong you are, how resilient you are, all the things that you can be. And they also taught you who you can let go of and what you can let go of. That's a hard thing to do. Exactly. It is. And so that's when we start, I start working with people on, you know, it's okay to start letting go of them because when you're hanging on to the resentment, it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's just not going to happen. It's only going to poison you. And don't you find the other person, if you're holding a grudge, for instance, they don't even know you have that grudge going, typically. Yeah, most of the time they don't. It doesn't mean anything like, I've had people, when they'll say, well, you notice I'm not speaking to you. No, I didn't notice. You weren't speaking to me? (laughs) Thought you were being quiet for the day. So, yeah, it's that same kind of thing. They don't really notice that you're angry. It's just poisoning you with all of that anger. That is, 
I'm just sitting here. I'm holding your book, and there's so many things in the book. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, we need to talk about this and this. But it's true to, to let go, to give yourself. And I, there was one chapter in here about giving yourself permission yeah. to live your possibilities. How do you give yourself permission? Because there was one part that said, you know, we don't, especially as moms and as caregivers, we always put other people first. And so to dare to dream is a tough thing. How do you get us to open up our minds to dare to dream? Well, with the giving yourself permission is realizing that you have to take care of you first. You have to put your oxygen mask on first or you can't help other people. So if you have other people that you want to help, if you run out, if you run dry, then you can't help them. So you have to realize how important it is to take care of you. And then the giving yourself permission. Sometimes I have people just sit down and write themselves permission slips. I saw that. It's like sit down, think of the things you'd like to do, and now write yourself a permission slip. And you may have to ease into it. I get that. Because so often we think that everybody's more important than we are. And to realize that that's not true. You're, you are the priority in your life taking care of yourself so that then you can refuel yourself and help other people. I'm, I'm just stumped because I'm sitting here thinking about all the times that we've, me included, have, have put energy out for other people and then we're just completely drained and can hardly move. And when I was reading the chapter about giving yourself permission and, and building up your body, my happy spot is in the swimming pool. And I, I swim with my mom a couple times a week, and we've kind of named us our, our little group the Mermaid Club. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that that's my happy place. That's where I'm, I'm exercising, and I'm not even thinking about it because I'm chatting with my mom, and we're out in the sunshine, and it's just it rejuvenates the body, mind, and spirit, and it's my happy place. Yeah, so what if you can give yourself more than 15 minutes a day or something, you know, just be out there and rejuvenate you, and then you can go on with your day. And step back from the busyness of life, because don't you think we're all trying to justify what we do during the day by being Oh, yeah, by being busy, and I, it's busyness. Yeah. <laughs> so it's finding ways to busy yourself, which you have to start asking yourself, are all these things actually necessary or am I just believing that I have to keep being busy or I'm not doing anything? Because I have lots of people that I know who they feel if they're not working on or in their business, then they're not doing anything. I said, no, you're, st- you're doing something. If you're going for a walk, you're doing something because you're taking care of you. Like yesterday, I sewed us some more masks so that we could alternate which ones we wear if we have to go out. And that's a productive thing. That wasn't just wasting my time. So all those things that you do as self-care, you know, going to get a massage, going for a walk, going for a swim, sitting out under the tree under in nature and recharging yourself, those are all essential things. Don't consider them a waste of time or yeah, selfish. My I like to walk and hold hands, and it's incredible for that hour we're walking uh, the things we talk about and the, the things we get off of our chest, the frustrations about you know kids or whatever's going on during the day about work, 
Um, it's a very, and then afterwards, after that hour, it's very productive because we've gotten that anxiety out. We come home, and then we're, we can sit there and just really enjoy each other because that stuff's not eating us from the inside out. Exactly. And my husband and I do something similar. You know, we'll sit, sit and talk to each other, like out on the back porch or something for 45 minutes or something, just time for the two of us to be together. And talk. And like you said, get frustrations out, share with each other things that, you know, we haven't had time to talk about during the day because he's working from home, I'm working from home, we're caring for my mother, and that sort of thing. And, you know, just have that time together to share and and nurture each other. And have you guys sat down and, and tried to dream for your, not just for yourself, but for your, you as a couple? How, how do we dream as a couple? Where do we move forward together and not have limit, you know, limitations from the outside world hold us back? Cause I, the one thing that takes me back, when we go to WPN and we're sitting there and we're, they're saying, dream big, you know, write where your life was going to be and what you want in your life. And I'm sitting there going, well, I don't want a boat and I don't really need a big house. You know, I've got all these don't, don't, don't. Or yeah. Can't. And so How that's why I tell people, that? go with what you would like to have, not necessarily the things you don't want to have, but what would you like to have? Because when you start inviting the things that you would like to have show up, that's when more of them show up. When you keep saying, I don't want this, a lot of times that's what shows up because the universe doesn't always hear that word not. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really getting what you're asking for. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting it. Yeah. Interesting. It's hard to, to, for me, until recently. Yeah, <laughs> to, until recently. Think of big possibilities. Because I, as I'm getting older, I'm finding that I, I like to downsize. I like to make things more simple. Uh, I don't like the drama of the, a lot of, of lot of life around us. I, did. I like my five-mile radius, you know? And mm-hmm. some people might think that's limiting, but for me, it's very safe and very comfortable. Yeah, and the thing, another thing to let go of is comparing yourself to other people and judging yourself based on other people, what other people want to tell you you should have. Because again, that's one thing. Another thing that holds us back is everybody keeps telling us you should be this and you should be that and you should do this and should want this and not necessarily. You have to ask what works for you. Well, that's a really good segue into Chapter 3 of Dawn's book, Launchpad 2020, called The Fixer Upper. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That had mine all over it. Can you kind of explain what a fixer upper is and how that is good or bad for us? Well, when you're being the fixer, in the, you know, you're looking for a fixer upper. So you always have a, pro- a person you want to be your project. That's what fixer uppers do. And... You think you have to fix everybody. You have to carry their burdens for them. You have to take on their challenges. You have to tell them how to live so that they'll know how to do it right and get beyond this the way you think they should be living. And that isn't necessarily helping anybody because for one thing, a lot of times they resent it. And you start carrying their stuff for them and then usually they'll bring it back anyway and then they're carrying it. So now you're both carrying it, which didn't necessarily work out well for you, now did it? (laughs) (laughs) 
So when you can start letting go of all that extra baggage you're carrying around for everybody else and stop trying to force them, instead you can you can assist them rather than fixing things for them. You can assist it rather than caring it for them. You can support, you know, you can be their support team and their consultant and that sort of thing without doing it for them. And at some point you just have to let it go and say, you know, that's your journey. Exactly. And and you can, you know, if they're taking too much from you and not doing it themselves, then you, and sometimes you do have to step back and say, you know, when you're ready to actually start taking care of this, I'm here for you. But I'm not going to do it for you. I found that uh, extraordinarily difficult, especially with a youngest child. Because as a mom, you want to, you've been the fixer all their lives, always taking care of them. And then at some point, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, at their age, I wasn't doing these things or I didn't see those things. I've had this discussion with my mother too. That, um, especially now in, in this situation where many of our, our young adults are back home and they're under our roofs um, trying to live their trying and I love their your, your Yoda um, oh it was the uh, actor the, don't act yeah do or do not there is no try do or do not there is no try I try is uh, it's out of my language um, but there are times when I just feel like if I don't say this or that or, you know, he's on the wrong path or the, and I'm thinking, it's not my path, but there are times when I bite my tongue because I do want to direct to that path. And I might be met with a smile, but as soon as that smile walks out the door, they're doing their own thing. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's like, okay, I'll do this as long as mom's watching. <laughs> exactly. And then you're like, well, how did that go for you? But either way, how did it go for me trying to control and how did it go for you doing your own thing? So there's got to be a happy medium and setting boundaries. Yeah, what do you yeah that's what you have boundaries? to do is you have to learn how to set boundaries for you that take care of both of you. And, and beyond my family, the women I, I um, associated with in SCARS, which is a Society for Citizens Against Relationship Scams, many women that have been uh, a victim, which I call survivor now, of a relationship scam or fraud, um, they're beating themselves up. And then family members are trying to fix them. And, and honestly, that does foment um, resentment. Yeah, because and that's, that's tough. It's again, you're telling people how they should be living their lives rather than asking them what it is they'd really like to have. Because I've had friends who said, "Well, you know, I want my kid to to do this sport and this sport," and I said, "Have you asked them if they would like to do that sport or that or major in that or do any of these things? Maybe that's why they're not doing as well as you'd like to because they, it's not really what they would like to be doing." When it goes back to when you were a kid and the teachers told you what you, that you couldn't be that engineer. Right. So who you can't your, take calculus. Mom, <laughs> what did your parents say? Did your parents encourage that or did they just kind of let it go? Oh, no, my parents encouraged me because my mom also stood up to things when she was younger. She would stand up to get the women at the bank where she worked to get treated the same as the men, get the same benefits as the men. 
so they supported me. That's great. Do you do you have siblings? I have a sister. And and did she do the same thing or? Yeah, yeah. She she did a lot of the same thing too. Well, that's cool. That's cool. That's that's so important. Um, you know, it's already nine thirty-two. I'm going to open the line up if anybody has any questions to uh, talk to Don. Um, Don, can you tell everybody where you can be found if they would like to further the conversation with you? Hang on, let me just open this up here. Yeah. So my web page is I A M purpledon.com and then on Facebook I have a group called Purple Dawn Group so you can message me there uh, and then my email address is dawn at iam purpledon.com so iam is I am yes I am Purple Dawn but some people think that's an I and an M rather than I A M that's why I spell it out <laughs> hang on a second I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up for Q&A so if anybody would like to come on, hit star six, you'll go into a queue and we'll open it up. In the meantime, I am going to continue on with Don because I want to know about the purple. What is the... <laughs> the purple part. I love purple. I use it in my website and stuff. What is it for you? What does it mean to you? Well, as a little girl, I always loved purple. And people started calling me Purple Don. And it just stuck. So I have, you know, there were a couple years there where I rebelled against purple and I went with yellow or blue or something different, you know. But for the most part, I've always liked purple. And when people, you know, when I said, well, people said, well, what do you want to call your company? And and I thought, well, Purple Dawn's what everybody's always called me. Let's go with that. And it's, there it is. Well, and it's royal and it's beautiful and purple has a lot of meanings and it's really... Yeah, it's, it has this high spiritual resonance and that sort of thing. So, yeah. It will say purple possibilities. I have a question. You said something in uh, in one of your chapters about creative chaos. What is creative chaos? So the creative chaos is where the energy is spinning around to actually create something. And a lot of people think it feels chaotic, but it's everything is rearranging itself to create what it is you'd like to have. So people think chaos is a bad thing. Not necessarily. I mean, you know, the big they talk about the Big Bang, how everything was chaos, the energy was all chaos, and then it exploded and it formed things. Well, that's what the creative chaos is. And it can create something completely different that might have a different purpose and beauty in itself. Exactly. And, it, and something that you hadn't even thought you could have or something that you hadn't known could exist. So out of all bad, presumably, comes some good. Yeah. Looking at it that way. And generally, that is what you'll see, is you'll see that I, I tell the one story in my book about before I went to Florida, um, before I, I went to work on, apply for the space shuttle job, I had gone for this interview uh, at this engineering firm. And my interview was going along well. I wanted this internship. And uh, they asked me where I saw myself in five years. And I said, well, I wanted to be working possibly in Florida because it would be closer to the space program. And that kind of ended my interview right then. <laughs> and, Didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was so upset that I'd blown this interview because I thought, oh, this would have been the perfect job. And um, so I ended up, you know, of course, not getting hired by them. And I ended up taking a job that I didn't really want. It was much 
less of what I wanted to be doing. However, when it came time for Christmas and we wanted to go to Florida, I went in and told them I wanted to take the week off and they said, okay. And everybody got mad when I told them I was taking Christmas week off. And I said, what? And they said, you, you can't take Christmas week off. And I said, why not? I, I am. And they said, we don't get to take Christmas week off here. And I said, they said, how did you do it? And I said, I asked for what I wanted. And they said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I went to Florida and I got to see that ad. And I applied for the job and I got hired. So had I, as I looked back on it, I thought, yeah, had I gotten that job at that engineering firm, I wouldn't have been in the right place at the right time to get that job because I probably wouldn't have gotten Christmas off. I would have had to have worked and not seen that ad for the job and not started work on the space shuttle. Wow. So sometimes it may not be immediately evident why something didn't work out, but a year later, or two years later, there you go, you know, because I didn't even think about it when I first got the job. It wasn't until, you know, a year or so after that that I thought, oh, had I gotten that internship, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it, we are such a, a people driven by instant gratification now mm -hmm. that we get frustrated had this happen yesterday, something had happened, we we're trying to activate a telephone and not following directions completely by the party doing it, they got very frustrated. And so I sat down to take a breath, look at the packaging because there was some instruction form and if you can't do it, call the 800 number and just ask for help. We got it done immediately. It's just like, are we so afraid to ask for help that we sit here frustrated? And the answer to that is yes, sometimes it's true. Yeah. And why? You know, because as kids, I think this grandparent here, we encourage the kids to ask questions and to be really inquisitive, and then they start asking too many questions, and we're like, be quiet, stop asking questions, that's a dumb question, which shuts you down. Yes. You're, you don't want to inquis be inquisitive anymore because too many people have shut you down. Yeah, and the other thing is you don't want to appear wrong. Right, and then you have teachers say, there is no wrong question, there is no wrong answer. Well, yes, there are. But if you don't ask the question, you never know what the answer might be. Or the po back to possibilities. Sometimes the possibility or the answer might be a different answer than we ever thought of because no one has challenged what the answer is. You know? Right, and the other thing about questions is that they invite more possibilities to show up. They let the universe know that you're open to something different than what you've always had. There you go. There you go. And questions are good, but even sitting around a round table in a business meeting, it's difficult to get yourself to open your mouth sometimes. Yeah. Right? And when you do, it's like, why are you the only one talking? Because <laughs> I have a lot of questions. And speaking of questions, we do have a caller here. I've got Peggy. Peggy Hansen's on. Peg, can you hear us? Good morning, ladies. How are you? Great. How about you? Doing wonderful. Thanks. Don, it's good to hear your story again, over oh. and over. <laughs> Thank you. 
And, you know, you know, and listening to what you were saying, you know, since the beginning, you know, it's, it's like, it's so amazing um, that once we let go of what other people have for us, or they think that is best for us, you know, and how, how quickly we can come into our own and, you know, be exactly who we are and then end up thriving um, much more than what we thought we ever could. I, it's, it's just amazing. I hear stories of this like all the time is that once we decide, hey, we're going to do what I'm going to do, what I want to do, and, and find somebody like your like your mom, you know, like your parents, you know, they said, you know, let's go for it, you know, and um, go ahead, take that calculus class if you want to. Somebody has to be the first and to step up, and it just makes us happier, better human beings. And when I realized that for myself, it was easier to to encourage our kids, you know, to do the same. We hardly tell, told them anything, you know, but yes when they were little, you know, for what they wanted to do and just tried to make it happen for them. Yeah, my parents always encouraged me to do the things I wanted to do, even if it wasn't necessarily the popular choice mm-hmm. or the accepted choice, but to just yeah. go for it. Yeah, and absolutely. So I, and to, to create an authentic life, right now I'm doing a, a Facebook Live series in my Purple Dawn group about creating an authentic life. And it's about being true to yourself. And it's okay to be true to yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And no matter what stage you are, because I was also thinking as you were talking that, you know, we change, we grow, we evolve as as we do things, as we go from day to day to day and from year to year. And if that changes, I don't know if your true authentic self can change, but, you know, just to accept where you are and if something isn't working out or if you've outgrown something, then it's okay to look at the next step. Yeah, it's okay to course correct. This isn't working out the way it used to. Let's pick something different. It's okay. You know, people always say you've made your bed, now you have to lie in it. No, you can check out of that room and get a different room, you know. You don't have to stay there. (laughs) I remember my mom saying that exact same thing, you know, with my sister and her her marriage. And it was just like, yep, she just, you know, she did it. And I was just like, well, that's not the right thing to say. (laughs) You know, encourage her. So I knew from a young age that you have to start encouraging people, you know, to to help them grow, to help them become the person they want, you know, and throwing out that negative energy. You know, you need the positive and negative, you know, to make that firecracker effect, you know, to get things going. But at the same time, you know, you want to have more of the positive, you know, the protons, you know, than, you know, the negatives. So, yeah. Cool. Quite interesting, yeah. and it's 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 great, like you said, to be able to come to those realizations and to act on it, mm-hmm. and have people who support you. Absolutely. Right. So I really don't have a question this morning. I just wanted to pop in and say hello and 
kind of watching my grandsons this week. So I'm in listening mode versus doing mode and taking some downtime thinking, you know, and two, if you don't do what you said. So, I mean, I listened to you so good this morning. It was just like everything you said, I was just like, yeah, 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 you know. Well, thank uh, you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. So it was just like, it's okay to take some downtime. I don't have to be working all the time. So Exactly. Uh, That downtime is going to be your happy spot because you're with your grandkids. So. It, it certainly is. Enjoy yeah, it certainly it. is. So. Enjoy. Yeah. So thanks, Enjoy it. Thanks for being with All us. All right. Peggy. Thank you so much. Okay. We have another caller. Miss Deborah is on the line. Deb, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much, both of you, for uh, the uh, interview this morning and the uh, sharing of experience and uh, insight and wisdom, ultimately. I am um, completely in the same uh, mindset of taking the time to assess. And I haven't always been as effective of this with my personal life. I have, I'm, a, I'm a planner by trade. Um, it happens that I plan people's money and so forth, and I'm launching a new company, uh, Women Navigating Finances. But I think the theme I want to draw on, it seems to dovetail here, and you speak to it, Don, from your perspective, and Debbie as well, is I, it just feels to me like the adage of stopping assessing and planning or pivoting our route and so forth uh, which is especially drawn into focus when we quote unquote make a mistake like um, and the mistake as Don pointed out isn't necessarily a mistake it's just that we didn't have the insight quite yet to see that you know that was pretty you know predestined right it was probably great so I guess I would love to hear you guys speak about um, if we can encourage ourselves, and I need reminders of this, even though I'm a pretty good planner. I mean, I plan money really well, but I'm also plan a very mean picnic. I just love planning, <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, the thing that it does for me, in addition to getting the order, which is important, is also it gives me um, a sense of grounding when the unexpected happens. So there you were, John, at the original date of the launch on Wednesday. It rained, okay? NASA, believe me, and you know well, full well, uh, and I, I have a summer place there. They go down every – my cousin worked at, the, at NASA too. So they go down checklist beyond checklist. Scientists do this. And if one little thing isn't right, uh, then they scrub it. And that is so important. So the old adage of measure twice, cut once, um, I think is one that I would love to hear you guys talk about and maybe how to course correct our own subconscious or our conscious minds to kind of give us a, uh, a signal to stop the, the routine. Oh, it's Monday, I'll do this. Oh, it's 6 you know, o'clock, I'll do this. Stop the routine, do what, what NLP calls pattern interrupts so that we can step back out of our own game and take an objective look at it, if you will, or even an unobjective look, but take a look at it in order to help us uh, actually be the navigator of our lives filled with choice rather than being on automatic pilot. Do you guys resonate with that at all? And how do you you pattern, course, how do you course interrupt? Absolutely. Go ahead. I'd like to learn how to do it more often. (laughs) So what I do is is I start asking questions. So I'll ask what's I'll ask God Source Universe, what's my next step here? Because if you if 
yes, you, you can plan, and I get the, mm -hmm. the importance of planning, but if you get stuck in what we call analysis paralysis, mm -hmm. where you just plan and plan and plan and plan and plan and you never take the first step, that's mm -hmm. not necessarily helpful. So no way. I agree. When I, when I find myself looping back and forth through things, it's like, okay, let me just stop and say, okay, God's first universe, what's my next step here? And maybe it's nothing that's on my list. Maybe it's something completely different. And then be open to those little whispers from the universe that say, oh, turn left here instead of right. Or cross number three off your list and do number ten instead. You know, be open to those little nudges because the universe has to rearrange itself now to do what you're asking and you have to pay attention or you'll miss it now you know you'll probably get another chance later but if you wait for the cosmic 2 by 4 to whack you over the head to make you do it it's so much easier to do it before that point yeah. well that comes back to our you know stop and think and have a little bit of patience because we're again so that, anxious to get stuff done that we're not sitting yep. there and listening for that still small voice yeah yep and that's another point that the self-care can help you is that you're stepping out of all of that into a moment of, of calm and quiet that's nourishing for your body. And that usually can open you up to those messages from, from God's source universe mm -hmm. but that they'll start speaking. Someone outside of you to maybe make suggestions but not be the fixer. Yes. And that's another thing is you can find somebody who can help you to do that, help you move forward into that, who is maybe more experienced at it, does it for a living, you know, that sort of thing, and help you see those things that really are right there, but you're not looking at them because you've decided what your course is. It's that list you've got on the table in front of you. That's my course. Instead of saying, take the blinders off and see that there are things off to the left and right, not just straight ahead. Mm -hmm. Or end up and down, too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Take the blinders off. That, yeah. you, know, you know, that's interesting because then my mind goes right to the racetrack and you've got horses with the blinders. And they don't have blinders on their entire life. They put the blinders on when they hit the track. Yeah. It's just a That's focus. their performance, right? It's their yeah. focus. Yes, yeah, to focus them and keep them on track. Yeah. And yeah. is that necessarily what's necessary for them to perform the best? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need that to perform your best. Mm -hmm. But you also need that step back, you know, and that yep. whole, the, 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 the skate, the vision of the entire landscape as new possibilities. And boy, that's hard to bring in new possibilities when we've done it this way for this many years and our parents did it, you know, like cutting off the edges yeah. of the ham because that's how big your pan was. I mean, it's hard to break out of that. I love that story. <laughs> that's so true. Oh. Yeah, because we get stuck in, well, that's the way we've always done it. Okay, yeah. and maybe that worked 20 years ago or 10 years right. ago or last week, but maybe it's not necessarily the best thing today. Right. right. You know, like, I, okay, I've got this phone that sits here on my desk that has a rotary dial. Okay, is that necessarily the best thing for me to have now? It worked great 50 years ago. Does it still, is it still my best option or is my cell phone better now? You know? Right, right. 
Well, the speed at which innovation has, you know, crosses uh, our screens, right? Uh, it, it, it does certainly cause a certain amount of um, of confusion as to which hot tip to even consider next, um, because there's quite a bit of impetus and, and stimulus out there. But thank you. These are great insights. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Deborah, for being with us. It's, it's important to get you know other options and to hear from great people. So thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Yeah, and Don, that that just brings up you know. In this busy life and this world of internet and social distancing and being home alone and being on this computer, so many shiny objects are coming at us. Yeah. And if we don't stop and think before we jump or blast off, then we're going to just catapult ourselves into, into you know, chaos and, and not knowing what we're doing and thinking that people are out there to be our friends and to take care of us and then we, you know, we really are in a pickle at that point. So how, what are your last final steps to tell us to get us to blast off into our possibilities and really put the past behind us and not beat ourselves well, up over it and look, look for the, the positive in our present and in our future? What, well, I do have an, an e-book that I'd like to offer everybody. And it's on my website, IamPurpleDawn.com slash launchpad hyphen ebook. Again, that's IamPurpleDawn.com slash launchpad hyphen ebook. And it has some of the steps from the Launchpad book. And of course, you can order my book on Amazon. Great book, Launch, by the way. Yeah, Launchpad 2020, The Art and Rocket Science of Breakthroughs and Possibilities. And the quote that I'd like to leave you with today is, so many things are possible once you stop believing they are impossible. <laughs> so, so many things are possible once you stop believing they're impossible. So what's actually possible for you now that you thought was impossible that could change your life? Well, like we said, out of all bad comes some good. And you know, five years ago, I would never have told you that I'm doing I would, that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. And exactly. Same with you. A few years ago, you may not have. You know, you you were in NASA, you were in science, and to move into energy healing and to coaching and speaking, that is so different than rocket science. Yeah. I would have told you you were crazy. I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But it comes to being able to, you know, really jump and to put, make yourself comfortable being uncomfortable and putting mm -hmm. yourself around people that you can really learn from and that are different than you. Yep. That's what we've done. And we'll, we go back to our Women's Prosperity Network. Here's a plug for them is that there are so many terrific women out there that are reinventing themselves after you know, maybe being home as a stay-at-home mom for a while or uh, having a divorce that has catapulted them into a different, you know, different line of life uh, because now they're working or they've come up with an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial adventure. Um, but we can't do it alone. You know, they got, you can't go into space by yourself. You That's need right. a team. You need a team. You need a team. And your team is the Purple Dawn, Purple Dawn team. Um, yep. 
but I, I honor what you've done. I think it's incredible. And when I, again, when I saw you uh, getting ready for that launch the other day, I, I felt your excitement. <laughs> well, and thank how you. how cool to see space adventure or space journeys move forward in the way they have since the 50s and 60s. It's just changed so much. Um, but even back then, you know, to see the possibility of getting to the moon or to see the possibility of sending astronauts to this thing that's flying around the sky, you know, flying around the atmosphere, um, it takes some real dreaming. Yep. So... And so you can apply that to your life. It takes dreaming to get you into orbit, get you launched into what it is you'd really like to have in your life. But it takes a commitment to change. Yes, that too. And, and to move forward. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I, I want to encourage folks to, to pick up Don's book. It's called Launchpad 2020, The Art of Rocket Science, uh, The Art and Rocket Science of Breakthroughs and Possibilities. We all have things that are holding us back, and that's what you know, my whole show is about. And you know, we're we're dedicated to encouraging you to remove that mask of embarrassment, shame, possibly guilt, and inhibitions and limiting beliefs and all those things into being your best self. So, Don, thank you so much. I hope people will reach out to you. Um, I want to. I'm grateful for this show. We're sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, which is my company, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. Um, thank you all for being here, for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. If any of you know or, or have been a victim to fraud or scam, have family members that know someone that has been a victim to fraud and scam, please have them report it to anyscam.com or to ic3.com, which is the FBI. We're here to really encourage people to stand up, speak up, move forward, Remember to join my Facebook group, which is Stand Up and Speak Up, because we'll have special information there and then replays of this show. I, have, I am on thewomanbehindthesmile.com. There are replays and blogs and whatever about what is happening in the world of relationship fraud. But, Don, thank you so much for helping us, 54321, launch ourselves into the <laughs> of our future by leaving some of our past behind. You're a wonderful woman, and I encourage you in, in what you're doing. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Debbie. It was, it was great, and I really appreciate it. And, awesome. I, and we look forward to being with everybody again next Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, have a marvelous day. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>